Welcome to the Music of America podcast, where every week we visit a different state in America and meet a different guest in the music industry. Every day, Monday through Friday. We begin in Alabama and we end in Wyoming. I'm your host, Tom Pollard. Let's talk music here on the Music of America. The Music of America podcast continues today. We wrap up our visit to Maryland. We'll be in Ellicott City. And we're going to talk with the vacant city drifters after I talk to you about octave mandolins. Joe Mendel's signature piece of art gives you that sweet tone somewhere between a mandolin and a guitar. It has that mandolin punch, while also delivers the sustain and range of a guitar. And he builds them to your specifications. You might want, say, an Adirondack top compared to like the Sitka. You might want black walnut, mahogany, rosewood, maple. You select the wood, you select the style, and Joe will make it for you your very own octave mandolin, all in part flavor of their own to the tone. I call them Mendo's Mandos. He calls them the octave mandolin. The octave mandolin, available at Joe Mendel's Frets, joemendelsfrets.com. So for perspective, guys, Bill and Lou are with us, and it's uh, Lou Morris and Bill Caso. Cozo, yeah. Cozo, okay. And Ellicott City is where you're from, but it's really basically it's Baltimore, correct? Yeah, more or less. Uh, I, I'm here in Howard County and lose over in Arundel County, uh, maybe just 15 miles down the, around the Beltway. And uh, Lou, earlier before you got on, I was explaining to Bill that my daughter met my son-in-law at Perry Point. Oh, okay. Small world. Yes. <laughs> had my first blue crab there too. It was wonderful. <laughs> no, we've had plenty of those. Yeah. So the vacant city drifters, or as I mistyped it before the Vatican city drifters, <laughs> vacant city drifters uh, is who you guys are now. Have you been the vacant city drifters for a while? Have you played together for a while or what's the story on that bill? Yeah. Uh, we picked the name for the band about a week before the record came out. <laughs> we, uh, we, you know, we probably had, I don't know, what do you think, Lou, a half a dozen different working names at various times? <laughs> oh, yeah, I got sick of naming bands. I'm still sick of naming bands. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we uh, we first met in uh, late fall of 2015 when I answered an ad on Craigslist that another guy had put. And uh, the that group was just starting to come together to see, you know, who, who, who was going to be in, who, who was the right fit. And... Um, my audition, I thought it went fine, but apparently it broke the band up. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and then uh, in, in, in I had a really good vibe with Lou and uh, our bass player, Keith, um, from at that time. Uh, and uh, it, so it turns out that the guy whose ad I answered was the one who really wasn't the, the right fit. Oh, so, wow. Uh, in, so in the, in the January of 2016 is when we started getting together and, uh, you know, very laid back saturday mornings when we can do it if we have a family yeah. commitment if we have to go out of town um if, if somebody's sick if, you know if somebody's kid needs a ride back to college we just call it off that week and uh we'll pick it up next week and try again and uh, shout out to nick for bringing us together shout out to nick okay <laughs> and nick was the 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 puzzle the piece peg. that didn't the, the puzzle piece that didn't fit so then lou you and nick had played together no, um, no, I, I, we all, the three of us, Keith, uh, Bill, and I answered answered the same ad. Oh, so okay. he had he has a knack for ads. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, that, and then we, I just called Keith, 
because Bill was brand new, right? Bill was auditioning. Uh-huh. And um, I said, hey, you want to keep this thing going? Um, and he said, yeah. So, And was that the initial setting uh, or the initial set or start of a project or was it an established project and he was looking for new partners? No, like a brand new project okay. that, that started out as Nick. And then it was, it was me and Nick that were beefing and, Mm -hmm. um, and it, I didn't know the guy very long. So, but I, I liked Keith and I liked Bill. So, uh, I said, Hey, do you want to keep going? And here it is. How, how many years later, Bill? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like I said, that was, that was January of 16 and. Oh my gosh. So we're coming, we're coming (laughs) on eight eight years. years. We're coming on eight years. (laughs) And when you would get when you would get together, you said it was always very casual. Saturday morning, free time. Would you do covers? Were you writing stuff together right out of the gate? Say, let's write some songs, or what did what you want to do? Yeah, we were writing. Mm-hmm. I mean, that we kind of, uh, you know, we found solace. You know, writing it can, you know, you write it. It can be pretty lonely. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and so we just. Uh, bounced these ideas off of each other and it would build week to week and uh, we did a lot of arranging and it was fun it was yeah. really and it still is fun but okay i was on drums and keith is a really good bass player really good person um so yeah it was uh it it was casual because we had a bend don't break approach and right. uh and so that's probably why we're still going yeah, yeah, and so, the, yeah the thing that i liked about it was that you know there was pride in wanting to, to play well but there wasn't any undue pride of authorship you know when i threw something out if lou said hey cut that verse in half and let's put a little middle part and then go back to it i was game to try it or mm-hmm. if if you know keith, uh, if keith had a tune it's like yeah i think that intro is going on too long maybe we should you know cut that back and then use it as an outro or you know th- we were always cool to try things um I-, I don't think i ever told keith what notes to play on bass for my songs you know lou never said oh you're in the wrong key let's do you know it was always very um collaborative and i i I think our best ideas came out of that and we had no illusions of making it right Right. we're all middle middle middle-aged guys we're not going anywhere right so it's it's for the fun of it it's for the fun of it right yeah i was i was today years old okay because that's that's the phrase everybody uses now right (laughs) i was today years old when i learned that one of the big riffs between george harrison and john lennon was the song tax man that uh and i'd never heard that until today but uh, apparently john had given four or two or four lines to george for tax man and george took full writing credit on that and john was upset about it sorry i i I digress (laughs) No, no trouble no trouble <laughs> who are your inspirations growing up bill who'd you listen to um it, it was all over the place if you go back far enough i wanted to be uh you know uh, david cassidy from the part oh, okay. <laughs> you know right i was like five and it's like this guy had a guitar and all the girls were screaming for him it's like yeah. well, that's what i want to do that sounds fun <laughs> but, yeah, uh, but yeah, the radio was always on. My mom's side of the family is amazingly musical. My grandfather played guitar. My uncles play guitar. You know, it, it, it all there's there's five generations of guitarists on my mom's side. Um, and uh, then after that, you know, 
teenager in the 70s right who didn't want to be in kiss so that was for my first concert uh-huh. i quickly got into all the classic rock stuff of the time um richie blackmore and carlos santana and yeah. all that uh and then right when i went to college i started getting into the progressive rock and fusion thing so out the miola and uh, you know on the rock side alex lifeson steve howe you know, all, all the classic rock and progressive rock stuff. And then I found more of the jazz guys. So Pat Metheny, Mike Stern, mm-hmm, John yeah. Schofield, you know, all, all those guys. Um, and I was never into the singer songwriter thing. I, 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 you know, not at all. Um, and, Were you playing all this time too? Did you start playing? Yeah, I started time? playing when I was 15. So it's, it's coming on 40, 45 years yeah, now. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you think I'd be better at all this time. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, and and, and then um, always cover bands. Never, and then I uh, after college, I started playing uh, electric fusion, all original stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I moved down here to the Baltimore area and met up with some guys, and we were we were writing and we were playing out, and it was great. And then I went to grad school and started a family, so I didn't play guitar for seven years, uh, and then back to covers in the two thousand time frame. Yeah, and then I just got burned out on being in a cover band. I didn't want to play Mustang Sally anymore. I didn't want to. Need, I didn't want to play. You know, play Freebird. Play Freebird. Just, just loves Chicago, <laughs> or you know, I just the the whole classic rock and blues right. thing just got burned out for me. And uh, that's why I said, okay, if I'm going to answer any more ads, it's going to be original music. And then I met these guys, and I've, yeah. I've no looking back. Really love it. How about you, Lou? Who did you grow up listening to? When did you start playing? What did you start playing? Well, first of all, after hearing Bill's uh, his uh, influences, I'm quitting this band. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, it's funny. I've never asked him that uh, in eight years. So um, actually, I started playing the drums when I was eight. Wow. And um, I was in bands. I have older brothers. Uh, and I was in bands at at twelve, and they and they both really loved the Stones. Everybody loved the Beatles back then. My brother Bill, uh, you know, he's got his tastes are he just doesn't care if you like it, if he likes it, if he likes it, he likes it. So that's kind of been a a guiding light. But um, I want I want to say, you know, I cut my teeth playing guitar to the eagles that's that's early early mm-hmm. you know i went into my bedroom and three weeks later i uh emerged playing take it easy really badly but i thought it was amazing <laughs> but these days it's more like uh with john hyatt who's you know he's he's getting up there but i love his whole catalog there there's not much i don't like there steve Earle. John Frogerty also. Um, and if we go newer, it's, uh, you know, Lucinda and and uh, Jason Isbell. Yeah. And uh, I love Lake Street Dive. I, and not that I can play like they play, but I just <laughs> love what they do with the harmonies. And their and all their all their playing is really good. And there are a bunch of others, but, you know, hi, it's a big one. I've been listening. Find myself listening. What I listen to more anymore now is music that you guys submit. 
you know, so I have that blessing. Yeah. I get music from all over the country. So that's kind of what I listen to. But when I'm not listening to that, I've, I've gone, um, I'm in this Beatles thing. I can't get out of. It's like, I'm right. down in this dark hole. I can't get out of. <laughs> and the other thing I'm into is I'm listening to other people cover like Bob Dylan covering yeah. Bill young covering the Rolling Stones. And it's just how other people are interpreting classic music, classic rock music, you know, just amazing, amazing. Some of the, uh, the work that that's being put out. So when you said arranging, that's what you guys do. It's immediate where my immediately where my mind went to is that I bet you two guys getting together and say, Hey, remember that song? Da, da, da. What if we slowed it down? What if we did it in six, eight time? What if we did it reggae? You know? Oh, I love doing that kind of oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. Lou's Lou, the king of that. He'll say, okay, he'll start playing something, and he'll start singing. It's like, all right, so I, I think I don't know the song. And then he starts, <laughs> singing, he starts singing the words, and it's like, oh, wait, that's the talking heads. Or, oh, wait, wait that's you. Right. You've got a million right. of them. They sound that's great. Funny. Right, right. I turned uh, Psycho Killer into a rockabilly thing. Was, oh, funny. It was really good. Um, and, yeah, I just love... And people, other people do this too, right? They they just take a song out of some genre and they plop plop it into another one. Yeah, and uh, sometimes it's amazing. It's really fun. We had up here, uh, we had a big flood or big flooding up in Vermont this year, and so all the local big name musicians around here did a benefit for the Hug a Farmer Foundation. It's like Hug a Tree, but Hug a Farmer, and. And the theme of the music was Bob Dylan. And I, that's what really got me going on this. Is I heard so many different versions. There's a Rage Against the Machine cover band that does a death metal version of Maggie's Farm. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, there wasn't, there wasn't a person sitting still in that auditorium. It was amazing. I was, I was just so moved by that. And that's what, I guess, lit my fire on that. You know. well, well, anybody... Any influence you name probably named Bob Dylan as an influence. So in yeah. a way, we're all influenced by him. He such a long career and uh, amazing stuff. Great. Um, you know, you know what uh, what was it? Rolling Stone has like 46 verses or, you know, he originally wrote mm -hmm. more than you ever heard. If we bring up Dylan, we're bringing up songwriting, which leads me to, uh, now, Bill, the first song we're going to listen to is a song you wrote, you sang. What got you, you said you got kind of burned out on doing the cover thing. What made you realize, hey, I can write this stuff. I can do this. You know, I didn't know if I could do it. Uh, and I decided uh, to just start trying. Uh, and, you know, how many waste paper baskets full of misstarts and and yeah. nonsense you have to go through before the the tap starts to run clear and um you know i started with the uh the advice you know write what you know yeah i i knew i wanted to write true music you know something that was resonant emotionally and and, mm -hmm. and um and, and had that realism to it. Lou turned me on to Isbel, and I'm a complete convert now. You know, so uh, that that's the north star for me. And then going back and really digging into Springsteen, who right? I mean, I grew up in the '70s and '80s, and right. I was right there in the Philadelphia area, the hotbed of Springsteen. But I was just never that into him. Um, and then you dig in, and my God, there's so much there. Tom Petty, um, John Mellencamp, to an extent. 
you know, all those guys writing music that really comes from somewhere really honest. So mm. I said, well, let me, you know, what do I know? I know how to be a middle-aged guy, right? That's what I am. Right. Uh, yeah. Let me start, let me start from there. So the two tunes we're going to talk about today, both come from, you know, my experiences is that. So let's talk about Halfway Home. Where'd that come from? What's that about? So the amusing thing about uh, this song is the first line comes from Lou. Uh, oh, really? <laughs> he was telling me a story. I'll let him tell the story because I forget the name of the movie. But there's a movie where there's an old writer and a young writer. And they're going to, you know, the, the, the young writer wants to be guided by the older writer. And they they sit down at their typewriters and they're going to type. And, they're, and the old guy just starts typing. And the young guy isn't. And the old guy... Uh, the idea that you know what are you doing what are you i'm, I'm thinking ha too much thinking <laughs> but there's the first line of the song um and and I, you know I, I got hooked up on this idea of the word play the parallel mm -hmm. form of the lyrics too much this too much that too much this too much that and then um uh, the next verse I think is gotta make this, gotta do this, gotta do that, gotta do and just just each line just kind of being like that, repeating that mantra and 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 focus. And um, you know, it's the most obvious cliche in the world. Halfway home. I'm you know, I'm middle aged. I'm right, I'm right, know, right. Half, halfway between birth and 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 shuffling off this mortal coil. So, you know, that that it was just that. And then it needed a bridge and um I, I, you know, went with the too much this, too much that, too much this, too much that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, farted around with it. Um, and then the, 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 the inspiration, if you will, for the solo was trying to be John Mayer-esque. You know, I had my strat yeah. and tried to get a nice, crisp, clean sound and not trying to be flashy and playing a million notes. And, uh, and, and that, you know, three and a half minutes later, you're done, right? <laughs> so... <laughs> That's amazing. I, I'm a big Clapton fan, and they call him Slowhand as his nickname because he could play so fast, all right? But I like his slower blues, Yeah, you know, because it's cleaner, and, and you keep coming, dancing around a word that I like to use a lot, and that's authentic, you know? And your music is authentic because no, you're, you. you're, not do, or you're not trying to do something. You're actually doing what you're doing, which is really cool, and I think it's real noticeable in this song. And we're going to play it for you. But before we play this, what was the movie, Lou? Finding Forrester. Sean oh, my Con gosh. Yes. Sean Connery was the old writer. Yeah. I and haven't the seen kid, that movie I, in forever. I just watched uh, Treme, and it was that young black dude. And he's really good. Where Wherever he shows up, he was great in that. He was, he was and I'm sorry I don't know his name. I should know his name. But, uh, yeah, that was... That was uh, Fine Forrester. Well, I'll be doing. So thank you, uh, uh, James Bond, for helping inspire. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Vacant City Drifters. The first song we're going to listen to is called Halfway Home. Talking, but nothing to show. It's 
Halfway home, the vacant city drifters with Bill Cozo. Got it right that time, right? Yes, sir. How about that? <laughs> and and Lou Morris will be back with them in just a moment. Years ago, I got in an accident at work where I ended up spending a month on my stomach while my back wounds healed. I had scalded and severely burned my lower back. Well, about two weeks into my healing, I realized I haven't had a cigarette in two weeks. So that's how I quit smoking. Now, while that worked for me, I don't suggest it for anyone else, okay? Thank goodness there's a company in Fort Lauderdale, Florida called Laser Therapy South. 
Since 2003, Laser Therapy South has helped thousands of people from all over the world quit smoking, reduce stress, and alleviate chronic and acute pain. Laser Therapy South has developed their own unique approach to tackle both physiological and the habitual components of addiction to help you achieve total success. Laser therapy. It's sort of an acupuncture-based treatment originated in Europe and Canada about 25 years ago. Your success is measured immediately. Laser therapy is instantaneous. Your treatment date is your quit date. The laser is a a colder sort of therapeutic laser. It doesn't produce heat. It doesn't cut tissue. In fact, a lot of clients report more feeling like having had a massage after their treatment. Laser Therapy South, www.lasertherapysouth.com. If you go to their website, lasertherapysouth.com, all of your questions can be answered there. Check them out if you want to quit smoking. Laser Therapy South, where being a quitter is a good thing. And again, we're with the vacant city drifters just outside of Baltimore, Maryland. Are you guys uh, football fans, hockey fans, baseball fans? Yes, to all. Yeah. Yeah. So who do you who do you follow in hockey? Are you Caps fans there? Yes, we. Lo- I love the Caps. Well, I love Scott Stevens. Shows my age, <laughs> <laughs> right? Because I'm from St. Louis, and that whole Scott Stevens St. Louis Blues fiasco. But uh, I don't know. At the end of it all, we we end up with some good players at at, at the end of everything, right? And yeah. and Bill, what about you? Are you a sports guy? Not a huge sports fan. No, no, I. Uh... I grew up in Philadelphia, you know, during the seventies. So the Flyers were my team, and uh, you know, because yeah, you know, they were winning championships and stuff, and the Eagles and the Phillies, you know. Yeah. Um, and then you know, I grew up in the Doctor J era, so you yeah. know, the, the, the Sixers. Oh, were, the rubbing Sixers, it in. The Sixers were so fun, you know, back then. And Daryl Dawkins and and then Barkley later was a, was a yeah. new, you know. So, but uh, yeah, as I got older, I got further and further away from pro sports. Uh, not, Did not you far. know that the Broad Street Bullies came about because of my St. Louis Blues? It, it sounds familiar. The, 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 that uh, the expansion uh, when when the, the the original eight went to uh, the, right. the the league doubled in one year. And, right, uh, and then uh, who was the it? Plager uh, Brothers, the Plager and... Brothers, Noel Picard. They would come at you and they'd they'd, they'd perform surgery on on you with their sticks, and <laughs> people were afraid to play the St. Louis Blues. And that was Scotty Bowman's theory: is like just go out and beat the hell out of the other guys. And that's when uh, it was at Harry Sinden, I guess, whoever was the owner of the Flyers said, no more. I want you to go up and get the meanest, baddest mothers out there. That's when they got Dwight Schultz and, Schultz, uh, yeah. and Bob the, Battleship Kelly and Don Seleski. Right, right. All yeah. those guys. Moose then, DuPont. Yeah. All, those guys could battle. Loaded them up and nobody, uh, nobody wanted to play. Nobody wanted to go to Philadelphia and play because the Broad mean, Street Bullies would just kill you remember them. the, uh, the the detente era when the Soviet team came over and Ed Van Am just leveled the dude and they walked off the ice. They just, the, 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 the the Soviet team that I had forgotten about the that. coach right. pulled them off the ice like no these guys are going to start a war. And, uh, yeah, that was they were they were brutal. They were brutal. Yeah, I uh, you talk about Scott Stevens. I remember the way he leveled Eric Lindros more than once because oh, Lindros, yeah. Lindros just didn't know how to skate with his head up. <laughs> and Scott Stevens would just flatten them. And, you know, Lindros was a big boy, but so was Scott Stevens. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. And, that, and uh, Scotty knew how to skate with his head down. Yeah. It, <laughs> it, 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 it was bad. It, it was, was pretty, bad. 
okay, I think so you are a sports fan. I was. I, was, I really like was. Yeah. I really was. So now, uh, uh, Lou Bill told us about his mom or his mom's side of the family and the music pedigree that he kind of has. What about you? Is there music in your family? Yeah, but I, I wasn't um, privy to it. I had an aunt uh, that was a really talented piano player uh but my dad didn't like her (laughs) (laughs) so i i got no benefit out of that my mom banged around on the guitar a little bit and uh that was kind of hilarious it was a i think it was a sears airline or whatever um but yeah they're all now when i so you know how it is with guitar you start trying to learn and you stay at it and it's like really hard work and you know eventually hopefully you emerge playing and um my older brother my older brother scott's like he's jealous of the talent i'm like dude it it took me like years to learn how to do this you know it doesn't happen overnight you know so yes there was some uh i guess some lineage in there but it only made it, uh, you know, it had nothing to do with any activity that uh, uh-huh. we shared. So I mean, none of us played instruments growing up, but my brother plays. I play. My younger brother plays a little bit. My youngest brother has a really good voice, although he doesn't sing. Uh, my sister's been in choir since I can remember, and my youngest sister insists that she can't sing, but she's got a really nice voice. And we were in a, we were surrounded by music, but we didn't play music. Uh, yeah. One of the one of the logos we use on Music of America podcasts, it's no black and white or sepia colored uh, Dixieland jazz band. Right there in the middle is my grandfather on the clarinet. Oh, great. That's very cool. But, I wondered where that picture came from. Yeah, that's, yeah. That, that's awesome. It's pretty cool. But mom didn't, all, all we did with mom and dad, mom could sing. And dad couldn't sing happy birthday if you spotted him happy birthday. You know, how <laughs> bad he was. But... Because we were on mom all the time. She was a songbird. So we all kind of learned. And I think there's that, that's where I was going to with this, with you, Lou, is that there's something about it genetically that even if you're not around it, if it's in your DNA, you're going to be musical. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I have, you have the ability to be musical, I guess. My sisters sing like angels. My daughter has a wonderful voice. Actually, my youngest daughter uh, has the acumen for drumming i found out a long time ago but she hates the attention so it never it never took right i'm like damn she could keep a beat right you know but it was only 10 minutes (laughs) so you you set the drums up backwards you know and so she's (laughs) facing away like morrison used to do (laughs) yeah yeah i tell you that, that that was a bucket list item that i didn't even know i had was you know my younger son picked up guitar kind of putzing around quietly in his in his bedroom he didn't really ever want to hang and uh right i guess it was the fall right before pandemic hit we um he said that he wanted to go to open an open mic night with me yeah yeah. so cool so i had a i said all right well he goes i don't know any of your songs and i said i pick whatever you want pick music you like i will learn it well, he was a big cure, uh, not cure. What are they called? Radiohead. He's a big Radiohead fan. Uh-huh. I was never a big Radiohead fan. I, you know, I probably could have named three songs, maybe. 
he said, all right, well, well I want to do two more than I can do. Just yeah. <laughs> and, you know, so I learned the, these, these radio head tunes and we went up there and I'm on a stage in this little bar and my son's next to me and he's playing guitar. And I'm like, all is right in the universe. It's like, you know, something you never knew you wanted. And in that moment, it's just complete. Like, this is just perfect. And he said he wanted to do it again. And he goes, all right, well, I'll learn some of your songs this time. So we practiced for a few weeks and we did. Uh, Lou turned me on to put a candle in the window. Uh, the the Fogarty tune. Fogarty, yeah. 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 So we did that. And um, Lou, I don't know. We've noodled around with that version of In Your Eyes by Gabriel. That, yeah. The, mm-hmm. um, yeah. the yeah. unplugged version. And we did that. And uh, we did something else. I forget what it was. But. You know, just to share music with family is, uh, again, a dream I never knew I had until yeah. it came true. That's fun. Yeah. I get, to do, I get my to wife how to play bass. So, so, yeah. we've, so we've played together. In fact, I think I'm going to send you one for your Christmas week. My, 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 my family, <laughs> oh, okay. my family uh, me, my son, and my wife recorded uh, a version of uh, McCartney simply having a wonderful Christmas time. Oh, really? I'll send that to you for Christmas. My week. least favorite Christmas song. <laughs> Yeah, you're you're gonna like our version. Our version kills. <laughs> yeah, just don't don't have Lou and his family on the flip side. New war is over because I'll just throw the whole damn thing out. <laughs> Lou, you were starting to say something. Oh yeah, I get to experience that it, it, in my cover band. Uh, my son plays the drums, and he's also like he came up playing piano. And uh, he's got a better ear than me, for sure, and a lot of a lot of other people. Uh, but yeah, I agree with Bill. It's a joy just to play. Just the fact that they want to be around you is a yeah, joy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I'll chime in. Also, Lou's daughter has an amazing voice, and we 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 spent a morning, you know, working up one of her original tunes one day, and it's like this is like one of the coolest tunes I've ever heard. Her voice is so natural and heartfelt. The lyric, you know, and the the you know, the you know, it, it was it's like really cool to see a a father and daughter kind of get on that level of, yeah. of sharing, and uh, the, the, it was cool to be part of it. My uh, my youngest daughter wrote poetry in junior high and that's when i was in my cover band at the time and we're trying to mess around with some original stuff and so i she came home from school one day and i was down in the studio i said hey jamie come down here and she comes down and i started singing the song she goes that's that's my song and then (laughs) my bass player rolls in i said john just follow me on this we're just doing this just real simple thing e to an a e to an a e to an a and uh she's like oh wow um what if he did that up in octaves? She starts producing, right? She's like. <laughs> <laughs> then the uh, the lead guitar comes in, you know, our first guitar comes in, and he says, "What are you guys working on?" It's just a song that Jamie wrote. That's what I said. And he starts when she goes, "Do some of your Pink Floyd stuff. Get your pedals going. Let's do some." Oh my gosh! <laughs> then the drummer comes in, and Chip. and he's he just jumps in, and she goes, "Andy, a little softer. No, no, bring it up here." She's producing the whole thing live. I'm like. Where does this come from? We ended up playing that song out for about a year. You know, you know, awesome. you know exactly where it comes from. Step <laughs> off the old block. <laughs> well, but she knew what she was talking about. I just bark out orders. See? <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of songwriting, see how easy it is to go down these rabbit holes, man. <laughs> it is. The the next song, another one of yours, uh, Bill. Right, uh, the boom came down. 
And boy, there's so many images on that. So let's let's hear about that. What is the boom came down all about? What, well, what inspired I, 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 again, you know, write what you know. And this literally happened to me. Uh, I I got I I got laid off from a job, and you know, and it's scary to get laid off in middle age. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and uh, this is just a story about what happened and how it felt, and uh, you know, just trying to regain your footing and um you know get, get through the emotional part of it you know the the, the 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 you know being angry at how unfair it is and you know all of that uh and just pour it out i think i think this song the, the main the main form of the song probably got done in 20 to 30 minutes wow. you know we tweaked on it for a year and a half probably <laughs> but uh yeah you know it, that it really came together pretty uh, pretty quickly. Um, and because there's so many levels that you can take that song, you know, like I took it as a relationship, but even going into it, I thought, what else could that mean? And it, before I listened to it, I tried to look, what are we going to maybe hear here? And what am I going to listen to here? And I thought, well, maybe it's when you found out you're having your first child, you know, or maybe it's when, your girlfriend's leaving you for somebody else, you know, and as so many things where the boom came down and is relevant. And then you, you do a really good job of not saying exactly what it is, you know? So you let our imaginations kind of. Yeah. It's funny. You, you point out that. Thank you. For, uh, th that's something that I had read about and I forget whose song it was that they were describing, but you, you let the main action happen off screen. So, oh, right, yeah. you, you, right, you know, you never heard me get fired, right? You know, you, you and another one of the tricks that the songwriter was talking about was you think you've written the first verse, go back and write a verse about what happened before that, you know, give me the setup, uh -huh. you know, yeah. and, and then you can leave what happened unsaid, which let, lets people, um, you know, imagine a little bit, you get, get your hooks into them a little bit, makes them care um and then then keep telling the story and yeah i did want it to be about resilience on like as a theme like you're talking about but you know so i i wrote it pretty spot on as to how it felt what really happened but like you're saying you know life does you know hit us and knock us down and we got to get back up so that's right. it's it's that resilience theme boy my 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 younger brother told me a quote just a couple of weeks ago he says the the hardest step is the first one up or something like that. Yeah. I'd never heard that before, but if you really think about that, that it, it, it goes in conjunction with, uh, we all get knocked down. Yeah. The big step is getting up first. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, wow. Well, the boom comes down is the name of the song and we're going to give it a listen right now. Some hollow reasons and some cliches. 
boom came down with the vacant city drifters our guest here today on the music of america podcast i'm your host tom pollard i grew up in st louis and the blues is such a strong influence and has been my whole life in fact we were talking about this off mic but the, the logo that we use featuring the alabama serenaders from way back in the 1930s that's my grandfather uh, right there in the middle with the clarinet pointing up to the gods, you know. Well, the Soulard Blues Festival really showcases that deep-rooted blues heritage. It's called the B3 Blues Festival in St. Louis. It's an outdoor concert festival held in historic Soulard Market every May. Great blues acts, music, industry workshops, partnership vendors of Soulard, quirky art, musical craft vendors, Everything, family activities, face painting, rides, more, food, food, and of course, there's beer. It's the B3 Blues Festival, and it's coming up in May at Soulard Market in St. Louis. Check them out at SoulardB3Fest.com. I guess we actually talked about that in the show. It wasn't in, uh, when we were talking about our musical influences. And uh, so... It's kind of interesting too that you know I grew up my my email is Bugman Blues. When I really got into I, I grew up playing or when I was playing acoustic guitar, I guess I was like 14 years old, got my first acoustic guitar. And I didn't get an electric guitar until I was probably 50. When Guitar wow. Center moved into St. Louis and I was driving by, I said, oh, I'm gonna give it a shot. So I bought the blue one. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out it was a Mexican strat with this deep, rich, really ballsy, great tone to it. And uh, a buddy of mine has been on a quest ever since now to buy a cheap Mexican Strat that sounds as good as mine because he hates uh, the idea that he spent like 900 bucks for this one and 800 for this one. And I paid like, you know, 300 or whatever. <laughs> so what do you, you play drums and guitar, right, Lou? Yeah, more, more guitar these days. And are you an acoustic guy or an electric guy? I'm both. Okay. What do you prefer? Well, I get. I have a tally with Joe Barden pickups, so <laughs> I I really love that tally. So yeah. uh got my first tally for Christmas last year. Look at that. I've been looking for a tally for about as long as I've been looking for an electric guitar. And I've got a really cool uh Les Paul, like sixty seven reissue. I got a Paul Reed Smith with the birds on the bar and the Yeah, he's a local it. boy for here. Paul oh, yeah? Reed Smith. Yeah. No he, kidding. He, yeah, Annapolis. He started in Annapolis. He's worldwide now. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, the big factory for all the American-made ones is right across the Bay Bridge in Stevensville, Maryland. So. You're kidding. Uh, you yes, gotta, sir. Yeah, you're going to come I, down there. <laughs> I'm on a recording with Paul from way back when. Are you really? Yeah. Well, tell us that story. Oh, so that was... Uh, Paul used to throw... Uh, something that he called the winter blah party because it was you know after the holidays and uh long about february sometimes he's like we need another party so he, he would invite his factory guys and um i was in a band with two of them and uh we played and actually ed king from leonard skinner i ended up recording with ed king as well oh. but um actually it's the same recording but uh -huh. uh, yeah, he. But yeah, P Paul. Paul used to throw that party, and that's kind. Of, Ed Ed King was at that one, and uh, he kind of singled us out, and um, we went to a little recording studio down in Rockville, Maryland, and uh, had some fun. Yeah, yeah. Bill, he, you, ever, uh, you ever cross paths with any celebrity greats? Uh. <laughs> 
you know that that's as high as it gets for me. Yeah, How about Ed you, Kane. Bill? Uh, only a, a, a local hero here. Uh, there's a Lewis guy called Morris. Ben Sherman. <laughs> uh, he played for years with a band called Hectic Red, and um, they he was in uh, the Guitar Player magazine, uh, the local showcase. You know that they used to do. The uh, was it Mike Varney had a column where he'd do three guitar players from around the country. Oh, wow. And uh, so Ben was in that, and uh, he plays with a Steely Dan cover band now called Technicolor Motorhome that does spot-on recreations. Uh, yeah, it's probably an eleven-piece band or something, you know. Uh, and they just kill. And really? uh, he, yeah. So the last cover band I was in, um, the other guitar player's name's John Crenson. They're called Fud's Law, and uh, John was close friends with Ben and another member of Hectic Red. So they came and sat in with us, and you know, I quickly handed him my guitar and went and got a beer. I was not going <laughs> to be on, not going to be on the stage with him. Um, I got to study with some really uh, cool, p- famous people. I studied uh, for a while with uh, Carl Filippiak, a local Baltimore-based mm-hmm. art- artist um, who is just a phenomenal player, really elevated my playing, phenomenal teacher, and a great guy, great person. Um, and then um, that you know that that went on. I, I probably studied with him for about three years, so that that really helped uh, elevate my playing back in the early nineties. What's the the adage? Uh, steel sharpens steel, or something like that. <laughs> Right, for sure. So, Lou, we've uh, we've heard a couple of Bill's songs, and we've heard his songwriting style. Let's talk about you a little bit, because the next song we're going to play called "Pretend" uh, actually reminded me of uh, Corey Hart's "Surrender." Oh, okay. For some reason, I, just the the tone to it, maybe or something. So, I don't know if that's a, a big pop influence or what. What's your style of writing? How do you go about writing a song? And, have you written a lot since or before or been writing your whole life or how long? Not quite my whole life. Probably some somewhere in, in my teens I I started. Uh but yeah, and I'm right now I'm not writing, but but I I have a amassed a few songs that I'm not, you know, ashamed of. So um <laughs> <laughs> Yes, we call these the songs that don't really suck that much. <laughs> yeah, the songs that stick around. You there know? you go. So I figure if I can remember it, then it was good enough to kind of finish. So <laughs> yeah. So what's your process? Do you do you sit down and start noodling around on a guitar, or do you? You know, it can go either way. Um, I come up with a a lick often that you know, and when I when it hits me, I'm like, okay this this is this is something i should probably you know write some words to it and it can happen the other way around you know i can i can get in a, a theme or an idea and then just kind of find a chord progression that i like um so it can kind of occur either way uh-huh. i have a song called uh slow simmer i was left alone one weekend um and and so i got this I, it came that came with a lick you know the lick came first uh-huh. and i'm like wow this i really like this lick so i i wrote words and i think at the time i had some kind of i think i had a little four track uh cassette recorder and like 11 hours later i had all the parts down wow. to it and that that one kind of stayed put but you know that's what happens when you leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> Takes so much time, right? So 
so how old is pretend how recent or how old is that oh no that one's pretty old i can't spot exactly how old but it's probably getting on 20 20 years old and <laughs> i'm still changing back, back some when we had back when our hair was our natural color right <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah and what's it about so you know uh i don't know if everybody's experienced being in a relationship uh when it goes past its expiration point but um <laughs> and and you know i'm irish a little bit so you're stubborn and and so you try to hang around and keep it working and no, no wait a minute no i'm irish we're not stubborn it's just we are always right and people have a hard time accepting that <laughs> you know what irish alzheimer's is don't you tom no they forget everything but the grudge <laughs> what's the sense in having a grudge if you can't hold on to it right? exactly exactly <laughs> that's funny so pretend is uh about yeah it's about it's about a relationship kind of going past its prime and and for some reason i started um like the biblical references you know they they're weighty they just sound weighty to me uh -huh. and um that kind of pops that's kind of all through this song that's fun um and i think uh that lick may have i i don't know i think maybe the lick came later but um but the lick uh the lick that was originally recorded uh with the guitar doing it and i said to keith i always I always heard this uh as the, uh, the baseline a part of the baseline but you know not during the singing and uh -huh. and he's like yeah man give it to me you know he's, uh, <laughs> so, jumped right on it played it like a champ like he plays everything else so um yeah that that uh do 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 you know so uh -huh. yeah 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 well, I'd have you sing the whole thing, but I really don't have to. <laughs> we, please, we got, please don't. We, we got it here. We got it here. <laughs> Recorded. <laughs> so, so, I thought you were going to do it. Lou <laughs> 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 Morris and Bill Cozo are guests for the Vacant City Drifters. And this is one that, that Lou wrote that they submitted a song called Pretend.
direction we go We ought to lay this burden down And face what we know We've gone beyond the end But we'd rather just pretend We'd rather just pretend Maryland, our last Maryland guest. And before we go into the last, the last segment of the show is called Shameless Self-Promotion. And before we go into that, Bill and Lou, Bill, you had something you wanted to say about the last song, Pretend. And yeah, t- so so it, you know, it's funny. Lou had mentioned his telly uh, earlier, and uh, that's a really great guitar. Uh, I had about five or six guitars in the studio with me when uh, we recorded this. We recorded this song um at Orion Studios here in Baltimore, Joe Tracy's shop. It's Joe's a great guy, and it's a great room. And uh, he had a package where, for I don't know, two thousand dollars, you have you get twenty hours or of of uh, recording time or whatever it was. And we were really well rehearsed, so we thought we could do six songs. And uh, this was the last one, and the only thing we had left to do were the guitar solo overdubs. And 
I just couldn't come up with anything. I didn't have a composed solo for this song. And we just hit the red light and I'd try to peel one off. And I'd always flub some note or play something uninspiring. <laughs> and we'd rewind and play it again, try it again. We probably did seven or eight takes. Lou comes out of the control room, walks across the big room, takes my guitar out of my hand, hands me his guitar and says, play this. <laughs> and next take one take boom. oh no kidding oh that's wow the, that's the solo you hear and you know I, I, I wanted to play something really um evocative you know lyrical melodic you know that captured the the ambiguity of the mood of that song right you know it's right, right. It's, it's not a happy song it's not a sad song it's a kind of melancholy where you know yeah you have to move on you know it's necessary but it's really not you know, per, you know, you wish it didn't have to be this way. So I wanted to capture that, and I couldn't get it. Man, he put that telly in my hands. One take, that was it. And went through his his amp. And what was, what was that? The OCD pedal? Uh, is that your the drive pedal or a oh, hot cake? The, or... the hot cake, yeah, hot cake, yeah. So a totally unfamiliar rig to me, uh -huh. and uh, that was the magic. Uh, that was uh, that the secret sauce was That's something. <laughs> I love yeah, those I, stories, man. These are great. I think I put the uh, the pickup thing on series too right it has i think you did one you know what it, it the, the setup is bridge then both then neck and then series and it's like very rich yeah wow. if you've ever had a four-way telly that, that that's what he's talking about it you know that uh -huh. that that all the way back position is afterburners you know <laughs> it's, it's, it, it, it's it's like having a it's like having a humbucker about four inches wide <laughs> and and uh yeah that 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 uh that did the trick that's a great story that's one of the best things about doing this podcast man i love stories like that that's that that makes the show now this is shameless self-promotion uh you guys don't have a website per se you don't really go out and tour you're not uh uh you don't have a new album coming out you're basically just some guys playing music we're just bums <laughs> well, I like to say we're working on the second album. You're working. <laughs> well, so work on the third album, and then work on the second one after that. You know, <laughs> you sound, it's like I was talking to a guy. I said uh, he played in Nashville, and we were talking. I said, you know, playing in Nashville, there's not a place called Nashville. There's a city that has a thousand different places to go record. You can be in somebody's basement or in their parents garage and say yeah i recorded in nashville and you have instant credibility you know yeah <laughs> so 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 you're working on your third album and you just haven't come up with the second one yet you know? <laughs> good line i like it so uh if we want to support you we want to uh do you guys play out do you do gigs at all or well we have them? we have a gig uh well there's an open mic but but there's a gig in february that bill and i are uh working towards at uh was it edith edith's paradise and these are old friends old friends and um georgie jessup she's turned i think her grandmother's house into a studio and wow. like a even like with cameras and stuff so uh they're i think they're pretty serious about it and that's uh that's our upcoming gig <laughs> yeah. and then yeah I, i'm going to play a, a, an open mic night uh not, not an afternoon actually uh in arbutus maryland okamoka it's a uh community space out of the university of maryland baltimore county 
and um, it's you know student run organization there, and uh, they do a, a a music matters showcase on Saturday afternoons once a month, and all the all the proceeds go to charity. Great place to hear live music, uh, and I'll I'll probably go play about eight songs uh, uh-huh. on a, on a Saturday afternoon, the twenty first of October. Good luck to you, gentlemen. We've gone a Thank little you. Long, gone a little long here, but uh, when people listen to the show, they'll know why. <laughs> <laughs> Forgive this us. has really, really been a blast. We've been with the Vacant City Drifters, and that wraps up our week in Maryland. To to quote the Bee Gees, I feel like I'm going back to Massachusetts, and that's where we are next week. Massachusetts on the Music of America podcast, all next week. You've been listening to the Music of America podcast. If you like today's show, please go to the website at www.musicofamericapod.com or our Music of America podcast Facebook page. Like us and follow the show and episodes. We tally the votes of all our shows, and the most listened to shows will be rebroadcast on our best of shows at the end of the season. I look forward to having you with us again and listening to the Music of America.